0: Kia ora and welcome to the Creative Matters Podcast, where we have inspiring conversations with New Zealand artists. I'm your host, Mandy Jakic. These conversations are intimate, uplifting and insightful. The guests on this show have absolutely enriched my life, and I'm sure their stories will have the same effect on you. Thank you so much for joining me to listen to these amazing people speak about what drives them, the way they work and their personal takes on life. Hi and welcome to Season 4 of the Creative Matters Podcast. It is so nice to be back and thank you very much for joining me. This is Episode 72 and we are speaking with emerging artist Rebecca Hazard. Rebecca is currently based in Tamaki Makaurau, Auckland and she works primarily with oil paints. Rebecca's work currently references raw meat to investigate our tangibility within existence
1: and her own social concerns. Yes, like referencing quite specifically meat, which started in uh, almost like nature mort, still life, um, objective sense. Um, And then last year was specifically taking the meat because it's so loaded in itself. I was like, do you have to get rid of all the other shit to understand it? You know, you can't So it felt like I jumped the gun or something. Rebecca's oil paintings are
0: large-scale, with a limited palette of vibrant colour. Although the works are fundamentally representational, there is also a distinct, abstract, surrealist and sometimes geometric feel to her paintings. Rebecca talks about her decision not to attend an art school after leaving school, her expectation of and drive to becoming a practising artist from the age of 19, How reading, philosophy, researching and writing influence her practice, the different ways viewers see and respond to her work and what drives her to make the work she makes. Rebecca has got such a beautiful high energy and I absolutely love speaking with her and I think you're going to really enjoy this episode.
1: Hi, Rebecca. Hello. (laughs) Hello, Mandy. It's lovely to see you and meet you. It's nice to meet you too. Thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome and welcome to Creative Matters. Thank you. Uh, So we've got you in the studio, which is Mm -hmm. nice. And... um, it's a very exciting moment for me because I have not recorded since December.
1: Wow, yeah, that's yeah. been a good wee while. Yeah, she
0: has. it has. So uh, it's lovely to have you here and getting back into it. Exciting. And uh, starting off season four. So that's good. Brilliant. So um, Rebecca, I'm very excited to hear your story and yeah. I think um, our audience will be as well. Cool. So can you, I know you were born in England. Yes, in London. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So can you take us right back to then and um, tell us about your childhood?
1: Sure. Well, um, I moved here probably when I was two months old to Tamaki Makaurau. So I've always been like pretty much bred and, bred and based in Auckland. Um, so my relationship with England is pretty pretty thin or sparse, although I am heading back there in a month and a half's time. but. Um, yes, I moved over here with my, I'm the oldest of three, of my siblings, um, but they're all born and my parents are born here in Tamaki as well. Um, and yeah, I don't know, It just, here's home. Yeah, so I wouldn't, yeah, my relationship with England is, that, is thin.
0: It's tenuous. Yes. So what kind of child were you
1: and were you um, discovering
0: your creativity? Oh early? my gosh.
1: Yeah, I always loved to draw and my mum was a very good drawer as well. And so I remember, like I have th- memories of I don't know, drawing flowers or going on holiday and doing works with her, and my grandma as well, really liked to um draw or and paint as well. Watercolors was a thing, so we used to watercolor together, but um she was a bit older, so she also she the poor thing she started losing her sight, and so. I often, she would try help me with these paintings and she would be like, for this whole beautiful silhouette sunset thing, she'd be like, no, you've got to use browns. So it was like a painting that was 50 shades of brown. <laughs> so in weird ways, I learned all these kind of odd, like tonal, like qualities of color and things in a, in a bizarre route of her just having lost a vision. But um, otherwise I always like enjoyed painting and drawing at school, but it wasn't something that I really like, was conscious of because I did a lot of competitive sports I feel like I lived two lives where the first half of my life was very much like competitive sport like over 20 hours a week um, doing gymnastics so I feel like yeah my creativity I didn't really ex- like give to it so much when I was younger and it took until like high school to really have space I think for it and have stopped that mm. that period of my life for then to be able to acknowledge it and explore it but I always loved I knew I always loved it at school and took it and always yeah gave as much space as I could I guess to it Mm. yeah and uh, were you one of those kids who just loved the art department and yes loved yes all the beautiful people who who were teachers or in the department um yes like doing all the all the processes like lino cuts and printmaking. I was really fortunate to go to schools that had a lot of material access. Um, So I remember intermediate being a really like pivotal, I think, stage to exploring that Mm. intermediate school and then going into high school um, where I went to Epsom Girls Grammar School and the department is incredible there. They have a lot of teachers who went, some of them are practicing artists themselves or had been through like Elam. Or AUT, um, and there's such a range of subjects. I was really able to play from like design, painting, sculpture, art history, Renaissance. So I was so lucky, and I took as many as the curriculum would allow me to. Um, Yeah, and I was always hanging out in the department for Mm. sure. Yeah. So good that you had such a positive experience. Yeah, I was very, yeah, very fortunate, very grateful Mm. for that. That
0: And so um, what was your art like at at that time, Rebecca? What were you Um, focusing on and what similarities or differences um,
1: were there with the work that you're doing now? um, Well, I guess like uh, at high school it's so different because you're restricted by curriculum and there's many controls as to what, you know, like to what degree play can really be fostered. But I, um, so I guess early early part of high school and that is very directioned and is classic like fundamental drawing skills and I don't know nature and mimetic kind of work and then I guess the second part of high school when you're kind of doing that um NZQA NCEA folio boards so you're restricted to these three boards um and exploring a certain thematic discussion um the work actually definitely has ties to what I'm exploring now I think I was if I think back which I'm trying to do my best to like year 13 that was definitely looking at value systems um and what and how we value and I think it was also because I was looking at art history and doing a lot of reading of that at the time and just questioning the gallery space as well so I remember my last board having like I painted these hyper realist gold frames and then painted my whole board red. Like it was the Auckland art gallery and left a lot of the frames <laughs> just like empty and then sent it off to be marked, which was like, my gosh. But I guess, yeah, just I've always like a definite tie and in interest in social value systems um, and other like social structures. And then also in terms of like subject within actually some of my, Other painting work. Um, I was just really enjoying having a lot of fun. And then with some of my other painting work, I was just having, to be honest, a lot of fun. Like I was um, doing, I don't know, like classic kind of still life. I feel like I have a big love for still life and the kind of relationships between objects and how they kind of reflect our social value systems as well so I was doing works but then I was kind of just destroying them like I remember spray painting over them and ripping them um and so I just I got a lot of humor out of that work so in it that's when I also kind of got a bit obsessed with food and I remember like painting like just cabbages or things that I thought were really mundane and funny and then then one work had meat in it actually and so I think that's the first time that um kind of I put meat in work and I found that's super interesting but I yeah I guess that's when um eventually I gave myself space after high school to explore that and as a subject what it was wanting mm. um to tell the viewer but yes but there is so there very much is links yeah, to it but it's um, really interesting. so kind of like a always a humor to it like a dark humor even though I don't think people would sometimes realise that, but it's kind of just humorous
0: play. Mm. And yeah. what do you think in those days when mm. you were a teenager? Yeah. What was it that was so sort of funny or intriguing
1: about painting meat? Um, I don't know. It was just super naive. Like it was not even much of a reflection in terms of its inclusion in the work. Like I found it really interesting putting food in it because I think – you know, that's something that's so essential to everyone and like on the daily and something. So I thought it was so mundane, but it's so, I don't know, loaded within itself in a subject. So I think, yeah, I just, there was a lot of intrigue in putting it in a work in terms of how much we can kind of sometimes pass by it and take it for granted, but actually what it's signifying and symbolizing sometimes to us mm. as well. So I think uh, there was a slight acknowledgement of that in high school, but I just, I think... like a classic woofy pie to the face in comedy I just thought it was kind of funny like I didn't think yeah much much of it yeah Yeah. so it was super unexpected for there to be then like this whole exploration further dialogue from that like I didn't yeah think anything else would come from it really I was just duct taping paintings and putting weird food
0: in it I'd (laughs) love to see your board. yeah (laughs) fascinating and uh, so you, you sort of felt like you were successful at high school. You got good grades in the year. Yeah, end.
1: I did. The um, curriculum, I was really lucky, work, like, worked for me. I mean, I also had super supportive teachers that said, like, hey, if this isn't working for you or if you're not um, interested or worried about getting, say, whatever the higher marks, then, like, we're happy for you to, like, play as well. So I was given a lot of space, which is pretty awesome mm, to be able to amazing. acknowledge that you don't have to – Get, you know, so like in order to allow the creativity and play and space for that. So, but I was lucky that still my work definitely did fit within that, yeah. that system and I could, yes, um, do quite well at school. And, and yeah. we were
0: just talking earlier that um, you didn't choose, you chose not to go to um, study Total visual arts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I guess if some of your teachers were expecting that you might.
1: Um, yeah. I think I've always been quite determined and outspoken on what I like with the direction I want to go and so I think they knew that I was going overseas because that's what I did after high school for a good 14 months and so um but I still always had and I mean I was in discussion with them for sure about university or different art schools and it's still something I'm interested in but at the time I didn't think it was the the right thing or the right moment for me I knew that I still wanted to be practicing you know always and an artist and giving to that and that being central in my life and every, like you know holding the main space um but yes I didn't see it as at that at that point the right thing to do mm. I think I had yeah other and things what I was it I mean it's
0: amazing that leaving school and thinking that you wanted to be a full-time artist <laughs> I mean that in itself is very brave yeah but what was it that made you think that you weren't quite ready or you didn't want to go to um, art
1: school well, I wanted to. I'd saved up for a while, and I really wanted to go overseas and see all these incredible works that I'd been like studying for, in art history and that. Um, and I also wanted to like learn because I'd started learning French. So I had people in my family speaking French, so I wanted to, um, kind of fluently do that. So I stayed in France for quite a good period. Um, and so those I had different kind of goals, I guess, initially with that. Yeah, I was like, that's what I wanted to be traveling, seeing a lot, taking a lot in, and then because I know university is not going to disappear. I mean, and I mean apart from the arts are on the edge in terms of funding and stuff yes. at the moment, but um yes as institution I didn't think it was going to run away in those two years, so as like, I'm I'm going to can come back the following year and do that. And mm. that's when I came back that next year though and then I thought there's I mean, I've had a year of a lot of reflection and things I was interested in, and I really wanted space to explore that. And I had a lot of friends that had gone through, I'd say Elam AUT, or all the like, art schools, and um, I knew that first year was a lot of play, which is really wicked and what I definitely always, you know, you always want, but at the same time, um, I didn't think it was going to support the type of play and like questions I had in my head or like needed space to to follow and give to and create work from. So, and then I thought as well, like, well, I'm so determined to do my practice. I should be able to do this without going to an art school. Like I should be dedicated enough to you find a space and commit to it and give to it and let it grow. Um, And then I can always like when I'm ready and when I want that really critical environment and those are things, that incredible knowledge bank to come and like rip my work apart and give to it, then I'll step into that space. And mm. I still do want to, but just at that moment, I was like, no, I need to explore first. Um, yeah. What's in my head. Mm, yeah. Which is
0: amazing. And what was in your head at that point?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Lots of questions and I don't know, just ideas of works that I wanted to do. So yeah, that was that was a, in a broad sense. Just, mm, which is great yeah. right
0: that it's actually there. Okay? Yeah, yeah, I Not, guess. Sometimes true. people don't have the ideas. So yeah, they don't yeah. Start. So were you, was the work or your ideas at that point quite connected to the work you're doing now, do you think? Yeah, I'd say so. Because
1: I think my work at like How I Work is just like a really slow ball evolution. <laughs> like one work shits out the next
0: yeah. kind of <laughs> I love so, that phrase. No,
1: <laughs> so in terms of like, what I'm reading and philosophical development that then like make, you know, mutates the work and it grows on itself, which is also then gets wacky when you're explaining the work. Cause you're like, Whoa, I've got like four years worth of thoughts to condense and like, I can show the threads. But so yes, there was definitely like the base foundations of what I'm exploring now that grew from that point. Mm. Um, Yes.
0: And how were you approaching your practice at that point?
1: Um, in terms of like the studio space or, yeah, and, and, yeah, you and know, pre- what,
0: what your sort of expectations routine. were of yourself and your work? Um,
1: I think initially I was just like, I mean, it was, I remember it being really daunting coming back and then you're like, okay, and you go and get the canvas or bits that you think you want to use, or I was painting on MDF a lot at that time because um, I was working a bit smaller and yeah, I liked that surface. So I was like, okay, we're we just start and we start building the work and then one kind of, and then I was like, um, okay, no, I want to work larger scale. And so I'm moving on to canvas. So it was just very slow. And then I had like, yes, for sure. Ambitions. I was like, okay, so it'd be quite nice. Maybe I get to a point and I have enough body of work that I can put it together in a show and see what conversations are happening, which would, so I had like small wee goals like that, which would be, you know, to kind of like motivate you forward in terms of, Yeah, but I don't know, I was kind of just quite happy being cooped up in a hole Mm. (laughs) and making it and just exploring it and reading. Like that's a big part of it as well is definitely constantly like reading books and like different philosophers or philosophies or I was obsessed with not that I can tell you shit because it's so complicated but like Heidegger's stuff on Dasein and being in time so like reading stuff like that and just even though I can't necessarily regurgitate it to you or fully understand it like it being enough of inspiration Mm. so yeah so it was more just like a lot of and I was very disciplined i think as well and very motivated and lots Mm. of energy which i still am (laughs) um so yeah so it was kind of just like yeah let's give to it let's do it and who cares like that's what yeah i don't know
0: so good and were you working full-time on your practice at
1: that no i wish i always want like you wish i could but do have to survive so i've always had part-time work whether that's like hospo or i don't know like at the moment i do technician work as well in high school um and then yes, I don't know. So no, always had a part time job, which was like at least fifteen hours a week. Um to yeah, to s- support myself and save and mm. then and pay rent and food and alleviate practice. Yes. Yeah. So I couldn't do it full time as mm. much as gosh would love to. But mm. at the same time I yeah, I think for a bit, I mean now I think I could do it, but I think for a bit I didn't want also the money to touch th- the practice as well, and in terms of then dictating direction as well. So, I wanted to potentially be able to explore ugly conversations or things if I could. So, yeah,
0: I mm. don't know. good on yeah. you. <laughs> so, you that was like, um, was it sort of five years ago? Or
1: yeah, I guess so, like and 17, 18, 17, yeah. 18 That's maybe. when you started yeah. your practice, yeah, and that's when <laughs> guess, you when you first sort of thought odd. of yourself
0: as an artist. Do you think?
1: I think so. Yeah, I've always. Gosh. Yeah. Yes. I think Mm. things that I always, when I say to someone, I always say practicing artist. I don't know why I guess to soften something about it. I'm not sure, but yes, yes. Always. Yeah. I did refer to myself as an artist. That Mm. was my principal thing Mm. and was strong with that in terms of like. So I'm like, no, this is what I'm doing today. I'm doing my artist stuff, so I can't meet up with you. And having yeah. bound, having boundaries to the practice is super important. It so, is. And it's so yeah. hard
0: sometimes for other people to understand. Like, yes. You're free, you're so. just painting. Oh, 100%, studio. You're like,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you're just around the corner, like moving a brush. It's like, no, that's not how it works. And no, I can only see you till seven tonight or something. Yeah. So yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, good on you for um, being so disciplined. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I <guess>. It's amazing. <laughs> and were yeah. you thinking you're going to have a life of being a practicing artist that was your
1: um that's what i i I, like i acknowledge i don't know like because like I can never be certain about the future or how things are going to change or where they could go. But at the moment and in terms of then, yes, it's just like, no, that's what I am going to do and give to and make space to no matter how difficult it is as well and mm. you're or butting up against things. So, yes. Yeah.
0: Which is so amazing. And you're 25, aren't you? Um, 24, Twen-
1: turning 25 yeah. later in the year. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, that, you know, it's, it's, it's quite amazing to have that kind of attitude when you haven't had – you know a lot of years of sort of being affirmed by people and all that sort of stuff you've you've just got that self-confidence yeah
1: I feel like you've got it though with the practice I mean if you're not standing up for it who else is as well so you already have to give you know like yeah yeah, have defenses about it and be certain yeah it's a
0: great attitude but it's something that for a lot of artists it takes a long time to get to that point oh yeah
1: understand and there's still like 100% 100% the self-doubt and imposter syndrome and uncertainty but like you kind of you're just like no this is still the path <laughs> like yeah. and I'm accepting that so even you can still go through that and all those waves but be committed to the practice you know still mm. yeah yeah so good going through
0: it so tell us you know maybe you could actually describe your current work to oh. somebody who's never seen it before oh my gosh (laughs)
1: okay yeah I can I'll try um so all so I like to work principally at the moment in oil paint and it's on a very large scale size so like at um most of the work is over 2.4 meters tall by 1.8 meters wide I mean that's changed from where it started and I think it's probably going to change in the coming months and you never know, but at the moment that's it. And I really like, um, yeah, so all the work's really big. And then in terms of subject, it is very, I mean, there's a whole lot of contextual discussion of it, but subject is very, um, fleshy, often referencing, but like meaty, fleshy, visceral, but without, um, specific personification or identity with an individual, um, And then also other, um, it's kind of borderlines, I think, representational object and then abstraction as well through its treatment or crop or compositional elements. So you can also have other mutant little things coming in like like the breast or liquids and fluids or little creatures and natural referencing forms. Um, But yeah, but it's still always quite – Intense and hyperbolic in its color treatment, and then very large scale, so they swallow you. <laughs> so there's usually, I like my practice. It's like immersive as well, is how I see it. That it's installed and really interacting with viewer and conscious of space, but it's painting. So yes, sorry, that was a very convoluted, no, and not brilliant, um, you, oh, concise way. You are, you are, you are of, so
0: good at speaking about your about your work. <laughs> you know, I you're amazing. Uh, yeah, and so it is. It is fundamentally meat.
1: Yes, the work from last year, I would say definitely well yeah, previous um work a hundred percent. I think the work that's going on in studio at the moment is moving away from that. That's but that's quite difficult to talk to because it's you're in the process and you don't a hundred percent know what it's yet saying Mm. or the whys so I can't really I think speak to that yet but in terms of the work last year and prior to that was definitely yes like referencing quite specifically meat which started in uh, almost like natural still life um, objective sense and then posed against other representational kind of objects or Um, spaces or chairs or medals like exploring and deconstructing value systems and relationships Um, and then last year was specifically taking the meat because it's so loaded in itself I was like you have to get rid of all the other shit to understand it you know you can't so it felt like I jumped the gun or something so I was like you got to strip it back and that's when even though I think um, like it's interesting because yes I am taking from there so the works large scale are these big blown up Um, abstracted meaty fleshy things but I don't know for some people who approach it they really don't see that which shocks me there's like at least 50 percent of people who will come in and pull out natural patterns or be like it's a crystal or like I don't know (laughs) something super random which I would not think of or some kind of like yes scary cathedral like thing um when they don't realize the reference of meat which I think if because once you see it or you know it then, you know, you, yeah, you're true. quite set on it. But actually there's a lot of people who don't when they see it in person because it's different seeing it on a screen when it's reduced and that's when the work's so large scale. So in space, I think some people are still, still like super abstract. But otherwise, yes, yeah, mm. it is like me.
0: <laughs> and sometimes some of your works have, you know, like a piece of meat sort of contained in the canvas. And other times it's It's kind of heading off off the canvas. Yeah, and it's
1: only taking, it's taking the reference um, of the ideology attached to meat by having that deconstructed little bit of or fragmentation. I think fragmentation's a big thing in my work. So a fragment of meat in order to, have that those whole attached ideas there but not that be the center of the conversation as well always so Mm. yeah so that they yeah it definitely goes between the two and it just depends on what i'm thinking about or sensationally wanting one to feel from the work because that is often what drives the work too is like is like sense and how i want someone to feel it's quite sensory so yeah
0: and how are you wanting
1: people to oh my god
0: it depends (laughs) I don't. I don't really
1: care how you respond. As long as you, you respond. respond, yeah, exactly. As long as you're not indifferent and walking past it, then it's chill. So um, you can take whatever you want from it. Like I really don't mind. I mean, I hope. I my wish is that people spend enough time with it to see the nuance within the work because I think it's possible. Like quite, it could be quite easy to take it from surface value, objective of what it is. When I think there's deeper conversations about like empathy and things that we wouldn't assume and connotate with things such as meat or things that's something that's so abject um so i mean those are points where i would like people to get to but i don't really ultimately out of mind you take what you want from it like if you're just loving the color you know i'm getting a hit from that i'm like that's cool mm, which is great yeah
0: and i guess you you must you know if you're Ever sort of able to observe people interacting yeah. with your work? Yeah, there must be so many, you know, the spectrum of reaction, of reaction. yeah,
1: huge, totally. Oh, a hundred percent. But that's why I love it. And yes. that's my that's why I like to make as well as to make people question and have, like, I don't know, have this whole variety of space fit for, for exchange. And so, there is people who walk in. And then they're immediately thrown by it and they walk out of the space. Like I have had that of people being, I'm sorry, I can't have, like, I can't do this. I can't have this conversation, which is really interesting. And they've left it. So they've been, (laughs) even though abjects, not a bit, but like, yeah, I guess, yeah, they've been thrown from the space. Um, And then there's others who are so fascinated by it. And then. Because there's also like the work. There's like a strange, also sexual side to it. So there's, it's like there's a whole, and then there's ah, I don't know, and then there's also like a psychoanalytical thing where people like after my kids come in and they're like, that's like a face, <laughs> and he's holding up an ice cream, and like I'm like sure, or like there's the teeth. So it's quite cool in that respect. Yeah. too. there's a lot of yeah, yeah, a and lot people of people see different ways things. Yes, yeah, which yeah. is quite fascinating. Yeah. Which so is what's fun. the um,
0: what's the sexual connection?
1: Oh my gosh, I don't actually intention or like consciously really want it to be s- sexual necessarily. But I think um, there's definitely almost like strange, yeah, I guess there's discussions of fetish- fetishization and like um, objectification definitely. So it's intriguing when people come in and, yeah, pick up on that or how different audiences mm. react to, especially when you've got like meat. Um, boob and milk together. So there is, and some of it's also, it's, I'd say it's more sensual, sensual than sexual, but there's people definitely have conversations about that and there's space for it and I want there to be. And mm. I think that's super important. And that also makes sense because me in itself being like something that's borderline life within death and abject like that, you know. I don't know. The spawns the whole discussion of things that are tabooed, which is like sex and menstruation and blood and whatever. Mm. So, like that inevitably is going to have a space, and it does because people do talk to it. But I don't actually. I'm not consciously driven to. Like, mm. That's yeah, really interesting. Put that discussion there, kind yeah, of, yeah.
0: But it's so good that it's it can be there, and, and yeah, you're, you're happy with that. Yeah. You oh know, yeah. It's Hell just yeah. another reaction. <laughs> yeah. But also, I guess the um, <clears throat> excuse me the whole body part thing and, mm. and you can have sort of either paint in something like an orifice uh, yeah. and then people can see that how they yeah. want to see it yeah um, <laughs> or it's not even an orifice intentionally but it no, reminds yes. people of
1: something oh totally and they're like that <laughs> like people that like, i don't like this it's a vagina <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, okay what if you got against vaginas? yeah but exactly whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> So, your work sort of mm. has an abstract feel, but it also yes. has like a surrealist feel in oh, some ways. Yeah. I love And then surrealism. it also has that sort of, it is quite representational yes. as well. Yes. Yeah. So, how, Lots how does that of borderlines, work?
1: Lines, which I really like? And I don't want to, because I think in terms of like my initial intrigue into looking into abjection and Julia Kristeva's writings and stuff, like, um, abjection in itself deals with borderline like something that is in a borderline condition. And so I wanted that to almost, that was quite an intentional um, technical and compositional um, like um, direction. And I guess manipulation of my work is that I didn't want it to be necessarily easily categorized and allow my space, like self display between spaces. So then it goes, it can fall super abstract, where it's almost like Mondrian color blocking and geometric construction, which there is to the base of the work. But there also is, the surrealist side where I really let go of the recognizable object and can just play with whatever's coming from my head, which I think is what's happening a lot in my current studio practice, a lot more of the surreal kind of play, which is nice. And then there's the representational and objective because I also really value that because um, the work so um, – grounded in our physicality and looking at our physical presence within the world. And I think that's really, so it's really interesting, I think to take our objective reality around us and reposition that and make people question, you know, and so then assumed things of subjects are, um, put into question and made uncertain. So I like that it bought, I hope, and I want it to, and want to continue pushing that so that it falls into a space where it's between many things and it's not, yes, because, yeah, <laughs> not within strict category, but it can talk to many things if mm. it wants to. Yeah. yeah which but, yeah, is so great. A
0: playful space. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, how do you actually communicate with your audience or mm-hmm. with your viewers to sort of help them to understand what you're thinking? Or
1: do you like to just leave it to them to figure out? Um, <laughs> I mean, ultimately, a hundred percent just leave it to the viewer to take what they want from it. Cause like, there's only so much you can do with your intent as an artist and then step away. And yes, you can have writing accompanying it and that, but. Like I want you to just essentially get what you want from the work and I don't mind what that is. Um, but it is also like, gosh, that's such a tension in your are like for me in my practice and making when you're reading and you're writing because I really like to write and that's where a lot of my reflection comes from and what drives the work. But that's really hard when the medium of that is – so constrained within words and then you're trying to physic like visually represent something i mean you have to let go of the idea that is grounded in all that kind of thought in order to just like Intuitively and hopefully, like I hopefully intuitively, like come through visually because there's so much, there's only so much you can do to represent, like to try convey, I think, an idea as well, or in terms of what I'm interested in. So it's, there's always a tension between, I guess, but sp- yeah, spaces, thought, like thought. For me which is and what drives me which is a lot of words and then that visual output but I do like do watercolors and a lot of charcoal works which is what then drives the works as well like I will do that and then blow it big and then you can start bringing in some of those thought and more structured contextual discussions and seeing how that sits alongside and that can draw like drive the work but yeah, there's only so much you can do, really. Once mm. you like, once you start, because you gotta let yeah, let go yeah. of the words. Words are so hard unless it sits within like poetry, I think, or something. But otherwise, and what are you actually writing about? And, and what are um, you researching? Random, anything, <laughs> anything. Like, um, oh my gosh, you could just go like it could be from like you've gone around, and you've seen how someone's like interacting and sitting with someone else, or like. Or uh, like your thoughts that are just in your head in terms of spe- like, I don't know, space or something super <laughs> abstract or like it's just anything and everything and just like getting that down because I think that's so important. To like clarify the mind mm. space and then allow the works to come from that, and then reading always read like I like when I read I write a lot alongside it, like so then and then I'll go back and probably read the book again, and then I'll read my notes and then write my own thoughts off of that. So it's just, I don't know, lots lots mm. of random. Shit. And then how
0: does that translate to? A painting
1: of meat, if you yeah. want to simplify it. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I mean, oh gosh. Oh gosh. I think that's when more of that emotive sensational drive comes in, is that you read that work and you're like, Okay, I think there's something that could be grounded within composition or like a colour or like or for something so strictly um like like subject like meat and objection that's just like so entwined so like you know that's quite literal I don't know um yeah it just really depends um or at the moment like with one of my works it was um sitting at the beach and it's just you know without classic super harsh UV rays it feels like it's pricking your skin and is super like Oh, like so the, the feeling is intense and, and there's contrast and then like the light is contrast because it's so stark with like it was on this like white sand beach and then your hair's all wet and there's that stick and there's that it <laughs> and so I wanted that to come through in the painting as well so then that was a bit of like um color and form I'd say in this work I'd recently done so just to be yeah to it depends it's
0: mm, really <laughs> it be fascinating anything.
1: It be anything. it's like and it allows then like yeah fun and space but there's still like alongside that that's why it's quite complex and because there's like still those discussions and social concerns that i want there and i think is super important and which is the thread throughout the whole work and then i can allow that other almost personal more psychoanalytical shit to fall on top and with it so i can i can totally see what you're saying so what are your
0: actual social concerns what are you oh my. Trying to say?
1: <laughs> there's there's many I mean they don't have to be also so forefront in the work it's more a space for me to be um like in a cathartic sense to be able to be like okay yes I acknowledge this is what I was thinking about the viewer might not um receive that but like definitely I mean you wouldn't I don't think people would assume it but like like ecological concerns (laughs) and climate change and um I think also providing a like different values, like psychological approach to um, engaging with others. So othering and empathy, which is through something which is like my work can be quite intense of people. So they wouldn't assume it's about that, but it's actually wanting you to let go of the self within the work and ego in order to sit with other. And so then actually enter back into the world from an empathetic space. Um, so, and then, and then, yeah, so then that hopefully being a, slightly like social value up up of like economic value systems and shit but there's yeah there's a lot of things they think about and that are there but people wouldn't know from surface Mm. um but yeah so it's a space where i think about that kind of stuff and is it Um, um
0: are you commenting on life and death in some way
1: um, oh, it's always there. I think that's so important. I think <laughs> I've had people <laughs> who said I, I think I'm quite pessimistic because of it. And it is kind of asking a specific outlook. But I think the reminder of death is su- and and that inevitability. I mean, it's something that, gosh, I still really try to sit with and think about and it's hard. But that's why I think it's so important. And it's another one where you unify together because it's like that inevitability, you know. So again, there's a letting go of self within death and then wanting to live and being motivated you know like Mm. i mean it can go depends its outlook but i think it's yeah i think the reminder of it like in classical 17th century like vanitas that it is important to have that reminder in order Mm. to like reflect and intentionally engage with the world like it's reflecting on engagement in space is my main thing is wanting to even though it seems odd it's actually wanting to empower you through a deconstruction of self mm. so which seems very like nah, loose I don't know no, saying, I but that is that. where yeah, yeah yeah where it comes from which I people wouldn't assume but I like that it's done through something mundane, mon- potentially mundane mm. as well but yeah there's a lot yeah lots of discussions and especially because then you also yeah, you start, I think, valuing life more and looking at how life is valued and body is valued and animal is valued and that we are animal and our denial of that. And so, you know, so it's a, yeah, I don't know. Yes, that's where I I come from though. That's some of the little rivers that lead into the final lake. That's brilliant. Yeah.
0: You know, it's amazing at your age at 24 that you have such a sort of, Really good grasp of, of what you're thinking and where you're heading and what you're trying to say, um, and through your work, <laughs> which is amazing. And yeah. you know, just to think that you've managed to figure all of this out, you know, you do talk about your work really very well.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've, I, I don't think I've figured anything out as <laughs> as anyone, but I, I do like to really write and reflect and, Ask always the why's because I think I mean it's ultimately the same thing where you've got to stand up for your work and defend it. So I think you constantly have to be questioning it, and so that's where I think that that I can talk to it quite easily. That's where that comes from because that's a for me an important part of my practice, Um, and in terms of decision making and like and pushing the work forward. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, it's constantly changing. Though I'm sure I'll like listen back to this in ten years and be like, my God.
0: No, no." but it's all part of the journey. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and whatever (laughs) you're
1: doing now is informing what you do later. Yeah, yeah, which is exciting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you're
0: working on. (laughs)
1: Same. Nerve wracking. What's gonna come? Yeah, it's great. And um,
0: (laughs) so. That's a, a really amazing um, overview of, of your practice. But can mm. you tell us about your process and maybe think of one artwork that you've created? Yeah. And how do you go about I mean, we know that you do a lot okay. of reading and writing. Yeah. But how do you
1: actually, actually approach the y- canvas? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I've got to pick a work in my head. <laughs> Let's. Um, <laughs> I'm going to pick the work Campylobacter which is in my show um, I had done at Scott Lowry Gallery last year called Honey, You're Caving In. It's this big piece where there's um, – it's quite like blue – it's a quite cool toned piece with meat on the left side, of, like suggestive meatiness on the left side of the canvas, a bit alienish, um, and a breast on the right side of the canvas, um or suggestive again, and then fluid all throughout it. Um, and approaching that work, I – knew I wanted to really simply have a conversation between those three elements. Like it was like (laughs) breast fluid milk. And so like super, super simple. And so then I did kind of um, in my head, my works are really, geometrically constructed. So I might do a few drawings of how I want, um, like really rough sketches of how I want it to be feeling in terms of geometric construction on a piece of paper. And then I get my, for that piece, I got my camera and I, I filmed myself actually, no, I think that one, my poor partner filmed me rolling around on my bathroom floor (laughs) with, with meat and milk going all over me, really trying to just physically understand and embody what I'm trying to discuss in my work. Um, and so then from that I took a lot of um, snapshots, I guess, of this this video piece. I wouldn't call it a piece, but, yeah, this video. And then I would kind of collage from that, from those reference images this work I wanted so that maps out the base of my often it's like that. So, and then I decide what size I want to be working at, which again, that one was um, like 2.3. I think, I think that one was 2.3 by 1.8. And, um, and so then from that, I guess I kind of collage, from my reference sketch and those images um the base map what i call my base map for my work so then so there is a lot of reference i guess so then i'm building that up and then i let go of reference for all the layers that are to come which is really nice and that's when it gets surreal and distorted and there's no reference and i that's like so f- freeing mm. as well so that's where i guess that's where the bridge of like some of that kind of context and drive comes in and then the actual painting process. So and then I feel like for me I really it's like carve it's like carving. I feel like that's how I really approach it. It's like carving out the canvas with paint, even though you're adding not removing. Mm. Yeah. So then it just builds up from from there. And do you start with with pencil Um, on your canvas? I have again, it'll be like rough lines. Like I'm like, okay, I want this bit to end there. I want something to happen there. And so it's like super loose, It's super <laughs> loose abstract. And it's not, yeah, no, there's nothing tight about it mm. in terms of guiding. Mm. And then you can, yeah.
0: And know. then how do you, how do you approach your actual
1: painting? Oh my, <laughs> oh my um, gosh. It changes again from work to work, I think. So with the, the paint I think I think color is a big part of my work, and so again, that's what it will be like the pigments that initial layer is super important for me in determining a degree of the sensory direction of the work, so then it's pigment driven um and then like um quite a fat fat layer of paint and then. And then it's just safe, free flow, loose layers where I can have fun considering light and, I don't know, just, yeah, the technical elements i guess of the actual application but um it's a hard one as well to i think put into words again Mm. one of those things where you're trying to put this visual and this kind of movement into and you have
0: um and you're just talking about how color is important and when you you look at your works together there's definitely sort of a connection yes across the color a, a certain color palette yeah but do you have um sort of preferred colors for your underpainting um no
1: <laughs> So could you answer, a whole, no
0: a whole range of different colors yeah i could
1: do yeah if i wanted to but i feel like hmm i mean underpainting yeah no it just depends on the piece as well i don't really mind i think at the moment in terms of my practice and in studio what's happening and a lot of change i'm experimenting with that a lot more and having a lot of fun with that where it used to be i think restricted to i'd also i don't in terms of colors i work with real restricted um pigment selection so it's quite like your classic like just you know like a like seven or eight colors actually that make my work which is yeah instead of getting that whole range so I'm like one day I will because that's so much to deal with Mm. (laughs) there's so much in the painting to deal with in terms of like if you suddenly had all those premixed tubes so that's why I think there's I work from very few colors actually so but yeah and the works at the moment say like I'm really think I'm obsessed with and I'm thinking about yellow a lot whereas I was not at all considering mm. or thinking about yellow last year I, I don't know just yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's
0: part of your your evolution I guess yeah I guess <laughs> and what um what are your colors that you were using last year
1: mm, more of just going straight with your like classic red sienna building from there yeah I guess mm. yeah
0: it's yeah. a very cool color palette. Yeah, <laughs> and then you're, you know, it's amazing how you manage to get, you know, you work with light in yeah. such a clever way, and um, the way you get that sort of gloss
1: happening. Yeah, yum.
0: Oh, <laughs> yum. so yummy. And it then the um, movement and the, with the fluid, mm. and you know, it's just, it's really clever. Yeah.
1: Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You never know how it's going to synthesize, and you hope it gets to that point where it's got, it's breathing more than just like objectively what makes it up, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah. It definitely is.
0: So with your large pieces, it's mm-hmm. hard to imagine your workspace. So can you tell us about your studio <laughs> and how you have set it up to sort of manage these yeah. large pieces?
1: Um, <laughs> So I am currently borrowing a lovely friend's studio, which is um, in this – ha- I'm in a we artist-run space, and there's about seven or eight of us. So I am borrowing the space upstairs, which can fit – three canvases on the wall and has a, um, lovely window, which is nice because then suddenly I'm really externally conscious of the outside world because I have been working in a few years, um, in a storage cupboard. So people assume because the work's really big that I was working, like, you know, I've got a space for it, but I was actually working literally in a 2.5 by 2.5 by 2.5 little cube. Um, and which I think explains a lot about the work in terms of how it comes out and its direction because it is immersive. Cause I was painting like in the, you know, in the works really. Um, so that was, so I did that for a few years. Um, and that dictator, I think space is so important in dictating work, not even like there's so many parts to it in terms of, like light and whatever, but just also psychological space. So mm. that was really interesting because I think I come from something that was very introspective and I think that's when it was grounded a lot When in my philosophizing and just pondering about being and then, and then went into the space which has suddenly got these windows and external world and you're like, oh, yes, I should contextualize it. We're actually more – in terms of how we engage with it on a you know that day to day basis um, from this space, so, and that's yeah, so that's really changed the work. Also in terms of the color palette, um, and I yeah, I think free free like having a little bit more spaces then freed me to play a bit more. Not in terms of pushing scale, but I don't know, just I don't know what it was about that small space, but I was like, gotta feel like hugged in by mm. it and. Yeah, which I think make yeah it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and um, looking back on your work later, you
0: you'll probably see yeah the influence of those oh, different spaces completely.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's, yeah definitely. Which yeah. is really interesting. There already is a switch where you yeah, could, even though people, I think for me, I could definitely see yeah difference.
0: Mm. Yeah, and how do you find working you know
1: alongside other people nearby? Really great. Um, that's. Like fine, yeah. I don't like. It's great having people come in when they want a bit of critical response or someone to be like pass an eye over it because you can get so absorbed in your work and you don't want to. Some you know you need to stop sometimes and or you just need another voice to um say something or then springboard you somewhere. So I'm really lucky to have that because I think that's really important. Um, and then have people like yeah passing through the space all the time is quite nice, but. Um, But otherwise, I'm pretty good at just shutting myself Mm. away and really and being okay working like that. And so good to have a separate space that you can go to. Yes, yeah. I think for me, yeah, exactly. Oh, so important because initially, when um, right like five years ago when I started, I was working at home and but I didn't realize well specifically for me how that wasn't healthy because I was super bad. Otherwise, it's stopping. (laughs) So I just happily paint till like you know like one in the morning and be like, oh no, I've got work actually i really need to get up for so i need to go to bed and then psychologically not being separated from that space knowing it's just there to crawl away so for me i know for me personally it's really important to have it as a separate space i travel to and it reminds me of the necessity of that balance you need to feed the practice ultimately as well so yeah 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 so totally it's yeah for me it's (laughs) crucial being
0: separate and um Let's just talk a little bit about the commercial side of (laughs) of your practice. Yeah. So you know, for a lot of artists, marketing and Mm. selling can be problematic. Yes. Yeah. So um, you have a a website. (laughs) Yeah. Do how do you sell your? And obviously, you're with. um, You have been with Scott Laurie Gallery, which is a a dealer gallery in Auckland. Mm -hmm. So. Let's first of all talk about the dealer gallery. Yeah. So how how did you how did you become part of of that gallery? Um, and yeah, and how how did you sort of have the confidence to to go there? And why did you want to go there in the beginning?
1: Um, so initially, I was yeah. So I w- did a few projects or shows with Scott last year, and I it was a friend who had introduced. Um, me to him or he had popped into the studios and then the student was like hey there's this chick working in a cupboard and you might like the work um so Scott had popped in and at the time I was really I was putting up work to I wanted to do a work in just like an um, abandoned space like a big installation in an abandoned space and he was like oh this is really what I want to do with some of my um other like female artists and the conversations were really similar, or there was crossovers of conversations. So that's why I was quite interested in terms of, um, in terms of the stable of artists. I thought there was a few um, conversations happening, um, and so then I guess we yeah did form a relationship and do a few thing lovely things together. So it was nice doing like silo, um, like the silo show together was really great, um, and that, that's kind of made me reflect a lot in terms of the direction and engaging with gallery spaces and commercial spaces. Cause I realized um, it's a really, it's a difficult one I found because like you don't, when you step into that space, cause it's commercial, you need to be, I think really know what your practice is about and have boundaries as to how and where you want to engage and make sure that is respected. Um, and that, um, that relationship supports that and supports the play. Cause otherwise it can be, quite, you know, it's quite something if it's like monetarily driven, which I um, definitely struggle with. Um, But no, Scott was really good with that. So it was fun doing this big um, solo show together because I've never seen my work communing together in that space. And then in a space like, like big white walled classic gallery space and then doing this um, silo show was like, okay, this is actually, I think where my work sits and wants to sit and wants to go and wants to play. And um, so then it's having those conversations as well about um, and acknowledging the future of my work, where actually, which is hard. Cause that's why I still, I think have my part-time jobs so that I can still kind of work out where the work wants to go. Cause I do, yes, sell the odd piece, but I am interested in it being large scale immersive and which <laughs> doesn't consider money <laughs> in a lot of it. So, um, which is really tricky of course, because mm. you want to be giving as much as you can to your practice, but surviving. Yeah. Um, so I do like, I, I do sell some of my smaller kind of preparatory works that are like charcoal and that. So um, that is, I don't know that financially alleviating a bit. Um, but, and then in terms of the direction of my work at the moment, I acknowledge that still, I will yeah, have a part-time job. So that, Whatever space I engage in, it doesn't, like, it's great if the work sells, but at the moment, um, I acknowledge that maybe that's not what's going to happen because I want to do these, like, more installation kind of works, even though it's painting, which I think is interesting because that's, like, often, like, they go to an assumed commercial, like, selling thing is paint, you know, painting, Mm, but then it's not... Yeah, I'm not interested in it in that certain context. So I don't know. There's just mm. yeah, it's lots of lots of reflection yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I mean,
0: is it? Do you ever sell your very large works? Yeah, to yeah. – um Yes. So yeah.
1: what what's your audience? Do you I think? have, but I guess at the moment it's more like you've got to have quite a big space to be able to take that in, or like kind of private collection mm. stuff. Yes, and I wish there's a site Of course, like that's what you wish it was more accessible in terms of anyone being able to have, like, you know, like if they wanted to have the work, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, no, that's not where – what I want people want to like, mm. I don't want people to get that from the work. So I want what you get is your pure experience, and not having it to be take home. And then if you happen to be able to afford and have space to take that home, okay, that's that's okay, <laughs> that's mm. cool, and that's nice. So that I can sell a big work, but yeah, um, so yes, at the moment it is quite limited in terms of <laughs> that's your not audio. not your main goal when you're no making work. not my main go yeah, at them at the moment which can change and can go yeah. up and down and i might get to a point where I'm like, i really need someone like money or something because you know but i not at the yeah i don't know yeah mm, not at the moment. which is brave
0: once again of you to <laughs> yeah. kind of go there and be really true to yourself yeah. and
1: your own your own Drips of sweat down the brow <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but at the moment yeah i'm like this is what i want for my practice yeah. and this is the boundaries and so i'm going to yeah engage in places and spaces on on that kind of, mm. yeah. And
0: you're interested sort of potentially in the future and sort of more
1: – Project space, kind of. I guess so, yeah. Yes. Just seeing how the work evolves and what comes out of studio probably in the next year or two. Mm. And then being intentional with, okay, so what does it want? And then, yeah, and then yeah. deciding, yeah. And you've got a
0: website. Do you,
1: is that a place <laughs>
0: that you would sell work, do you think? Or um, a, it's a be, visual. Yeah, it's gallery. We're just
1: a uh, very poor visual reference, <laughs> which I need to update and I'm super hopeless with. But, um, yeah, people can reach out and people have reached out through that. So that is totally a way. Um, I don't put all the work up there. and Maybe I think I'm going to get a bit better with that. Mm. That's one of my things over the next year. And Instagram. Um, you'd, and Instagram, yeah, I need yeah. to do more on that. <laughs> um, again, I'm super hopeless at that, but I would like to just so that's a way people can um, engage and interact with me a bit mm. more if they want to and reach out to me. And, um, but... Yeah, yes, I am very bad. It's, it's once in a blue moon that I change it or put something up, but I'm trying to, yeah, give to that a little bit more. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's good. You're not the only one. I think so many artists are in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's very normal. Yeah. Do you ever sell prints of your work or is it all originals?
1: No, all originals, yeah. I I mean, again, maybe one day there will come a point where I'm like, yeah, this is cool and I'm happy for this to sit within um, a print, but because that's not why I make and what the experience I want for people to have of my work, like I want them to be physically raptured in space with these paintings and being with them, um, I haven't put them into print form or anything yet but maybe maybe one day but no at the moment yeah they do yeah they just Mm. stick in their original yeah yeah I can see that
0: yeah (laughs) I can see why your reasoning behind that yeah (laughs) all right Rebecca we are at the quick fire well not Mm. really quick fire fire. long fire questions (laughs) (laughs) so um can you tell us which Mm. New Zealand artists are your favorite And um, have they influenced your work at all?
1: Oh my. There's so many. (laughs) There is so many. I would say I have a big heart and space for, um, I actually don't even know if I'm going to say her name right. Frances Uprichard? Uprichard? Uprichard. Or is it you, Pritchard? You, Pritchard. Oh my God. So every time I say it wrong, and I know I'm saying it wrong, I know. um, You, Pritchard. But yes, her work is oh my God, freaky cool. And that definitely like inspires me a lot. Um, and yes, I think her, and then probably I also really admire the work of Zach um, Langdonpole and his kind of communication and um, or like his recent show at Michael Lee, I thought was really brilliant and how that was, was very thought provoking for me and his kind of found like fragmentation organized again, kind of found object thing, like in a different medium. I Yeah, um, I really like and resonate with some of his work um but oh my gosh there's like actually (laughs) there's actually so many and then I think there's other ones that fall outside New Zealand that I'm always conscious of like um Helen Chadwick as well and her like the Oval Court which I think is such a inspiring and Recent discovery for me, or like um, the narrative kind of um, narrative direction of like Paula Rego as well. So that's kind of going out in New Zealand. But I think those are two that I find are really inspiring. But yeah, that's that's four kind of ones I'm mm. conscious of. But there's oh, there's many, there's, yeah, many, and there's always so many, and you never know you? fully how exactly they're influencing it, you know. Mm. But yes, yeah.
0: Um, as an artist, what do you think is your biggest challenge?
1: Whoa. Um, Oh my gosh! Vegas challenge—it's <laughs> such a um, privilege and so great to be an artist, but um, there is definitely things that are challenging. I think, um, and just like constantly turning yourself inside out and asking the why's and being what it seems like. So, no, you're like constantly vulnerable, and then potentially it's like physically engaging and exposing that to other people and so you do have to have your yeah uh skin i guess with that um but just like constantly those whys can suddenly sometimes psychologically be like quite a lot and i'm quite an overthinker too um and then um also navigating spaces like understanding as best you can your practice and then navigating space and having boundaries where need be and communicating that so I think those are kind of two two big things I think that are challenging having challenged me I guess I don't know yes yeah
0: and what would you say to your younger Um,
1: artist I still feel like pretty young and early in the journey um so what would I say to myself would be just I don't know not be afraid at all to play um and I actually, it would be to, um, once again, know your, um, know your practice as best as possible. So you put up those boundaries and are very, as can be as intentional as you can with where and how and who you engage with, I guess. Um, but yeah, um, yes, no, and just be ex- excited and give yourself and yeah, I don't know. Just have those days you passed over the imposter syndrome and things like that. Just keep going at it really. Yeah. yeah. Keep giving.
0: And um finally, why do you make the kind of work you make? Um, oh my
1: gosh, why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> the big question. The whys. Um, so many, so many whys. I think um one, because it brings me a lot of joy and it's a way for me to make sense and I think like engage with the world best and look after my, like, look after myself and then also, and allow myself to question and then hopefully provide a space for others to find value and question as well. I think that's the main thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant yeah
0: well that brings us to the end rebecca it's been a complete joy meeting you oh no
1: thank you so much it's been lovely meeting you and you having me here at your home so oh, thank you
0: it's just so nice to have your sort of amazing energy and um hear your incredible ideas behind your practice <laughs> and you know after having a break of a couple of months it's mm, just like yeah ah. and the whirlwind that it's been here yes. it's nice. yeah. yeah and it's no, so it lovely special. for you to be my my first you know back in the uh, back on the horse oh no yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but thank you so much for being so welcoming and it's been ah, oh, it's been very fun for me and great to like have the space to reflect with you it's really yeah cool. oh, it's thank so good. you thank you so much thanks